You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is the start of a new week and the start of a new month. It's Monday, April 1st, 2019. I am your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Great to have you with us today as we come off an Elite Eight weekend in the NCAA tournament. Um, really, if you like sports, that's the kind of weekend that, that shows you why you, you like sports. Four phenomenal games, you know, a couple overtime games. All four games go right down to the wire, and the final four is now set. It is uh, Texas Tech, Virginia, Auburn, and Michigan State. So if you remember back a couple weeks, I go 0 for 4 and trying to pick my final four, uh, which is... Sadly, a pretty common experience uh, for for me, and you know, like I mean, I took it on the chin in the Sweet Sixteen because I lost, uh, you know, I lost both, I lost two two of my Final Four teams on Thursday night when uh, Michigan went down, and before that, Tennessee went down, and then Friday night, North Carolina loses. So we got to Sunday, and Duke was the only team that was left, and at that point, you know, my bracket's ruined anyway. I. I prefer duke to lose than to uh you know if, if my bracket's ruined either way and you know i'm only going to get one final four team and at most and duke's the last team you know what i'll take the loss I'll, I'll take the loss just to get duke out of there um so we're in the final four but of course this is not a show about college basketball so we'll end our discussion of that uh for the moment the show's about football it's about the new york jets um you know, we talked on Friday, we closed out our week talking a little bit about the NFL draft, spent most of the show talking about the merits of a potential trade down for the Jets. And we talked at the end of the show talking a little bit about positions, uh, how positions matter in the draft. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about positions today and how if I were a GM, I, I would view positions, how, how it would factor into to my evaluations in the NFL draft. And I'll, I'll start off by telling you a little story is like a lot of people. I mean, to me, the three best players in this draft are uh, in some order, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen and Quinnen Williams. And I've really kind of struggled with how I rate these players, you know, who's one, who's two, who th- who's three. And I, I went back and forth for weeks. I wasn't really sure, you know, who my guy was, who, who the top guy was. And the reason there's a reason I'm rating the top three because the Jets own the third pick right now. And a trade down seems very much on the table, but it's not a guarantee. So the Jets are going to take one of these three guys. If more than one's available, who's the right guy to pick? And I, you know, I went back and forth. And for a stretch there, I had Quinn and Williams, the, deep, the great defensive lineman out of Alabama. You know, it was maybe number two over Josh Allen. And you know, I couldn't make up my mind. And then I finally had this this clarifying moment. And I thought back to some of the stuff I've said about positional value through the years. Because in the NFL, football's not like a lot of other sports. Position matters very much in the NFL when you're talking about the value of a player. And I think that there are times where people overrate the value of positions. When you, they, they mention, oh, you can't draft a player at this position in the first round. I think in some in many instances that's overstated. But one of the things I've always said about positional value is that you 
use it almost. I, I think you you use it almost as a tiebreaker. I don't think it's necessarily something that you overstate, but it's something that you can use as a tiebreaker. And I, I thought about this, and on the defensive side of the football, really, I think out, you could make a case outside a quarterback. There's no position that's more important on a football team than edge rusher. It's the mo- probably the most important position on most defenses. And you, know, you look at the you look at the first round, especially when you when you're picking up high. Would I say that there are no defensive linemen, no no interior defensive linemen types who are worth an early first round pick? Let's just hypothetically go back to 2014, the year Aaron Donald was drafted. If team used like a top three pick on Aaron Donald, would that be a bad pick? Of course not. It would be a wonderful pick. You know, a guy who's a dominant defensive player. You know, one of the best defensive players in the league. One of the most important defensive players in the league. Interior linemen. So you can't. You, I don't think you can definitively say. You never draft an interior defensive lineman with an early pick. I say the same thing about linebacker. If you got Luke Keekley, if Luke Keekley was at the, you're in the top three and you ended up a player who turned into Luke Keekley, would that be a bad pick? No. no. Of course not, because Luke Keekley is, again, a guy who changes your defense. But you have to plan out for every scenario. I, like, I really like Quinn and Williams. I think he's going to be a superstar. I really do. But you have to plan out for every scenario. And... What if Quinton Williams is not a superstar? What if he's just a guy who's a good player, like, say, Leonard Williams? Well, then, you know, you pass on him. He's probably not going to have the same impact as an edge rusher because of the position he plays. And it's all, To me, it's almost like a great, like, linebacker or de- interior lineman has the value of a good, has the value of an edge rusher. But a good interior lineman or linebacker does not have the same value as just a good edge rusher. So, you know, in the scenario where you draft Bosa or Allen, even if they don't hit their ceiling, even if they aren't like a transcendent player, even if they're not a defensive player of the year candidate, you know, an all-pro candidate, if they're just a good edge rusher, that really moves the needle for a team. That gives you a, a pass rusher is important, and most of the great pass rushers in this league are guys who come off the edge. So even if these guys are a little disappointing, you know, even if they're, they're not – even if you're not drafting the next Von Miller – even if you're not drafting the next uh, transcendent edge rusher in the league, which a lot of scouting reports think that these guys, if you're not drafting the next Khalil Mack, which some of these scouting reports suggest guy might be that, you know, these guys might be that good. But even if you don't get that, even if you just get a guy who is good, you know, a guy who's very solid at that position, that can help move the needle on the defense because there's nothing more, to me, there's nothing more important than pass rush. And so I'd say I'd, you, you look at the premium position. I think you, you have to consider all scenarios. So that's where I came to my final decision. And I'm not sure, you know, Bosa, Allen, you can make a case for either. I'd probably go Bosa higher than Allen at this point. But that's kind of where I, where I came to my, my, deci- my conclusion that I think Quinn and Williams is probably the third best. And that's one of the ways I view position is, again, a tiebreaker, right? you know, especially in the top three, you know, what if you don't get the transcendent? And that's the reason I think it is a tiebreaker because at the end of the day, you, know, you look at all scenarios. Now, if all three of these guys are transcendent players, if you know you have the next Miller, the next Mac, or the next Darren Donald, you can't go wrong. But what if these guys don't hit their ceiling? So, and then then the edge rusher is more valuable. A good edge rusher, a guy who's a merely good edge rusher, is still very valuable. Still, I think you could make a case. A good edge rusher is worth a top three pick. You'd still be pretty happy with that development. You know, I think back, you, know, you go back, you talk about another position that's important. It's on the offensive side of the ball, left tackle. Was DeBrickashaw Ferguson a Hall of Fame tackle? No. Was he ever the best left tackle in the league? No. But he was a good left tackle for the Jets, which made him worthy of the number four pick. Got a different position, 
You know, a guy with a less valuable position who was just good. You, know, you think back to that same draft. Reggie Bush had a couple thousand yard seasons, but he fell short of. The, he was supposed to be the transcendent player, and he wasn't. He was just a good player. He was not worth the number two pick in that draft. So that's the that that, that I think that's one one of the ways I look at position when we talk about the NFL draft. Lockdown Jets podcast today as we kick off a new week, and we're not just kicking off a new week, we're kicking off a new month, and we're not just kicking off a new month, we're kicking off draft month. It's the month of the NFL draft as the Jets will look to add to their young base of talent. I'm giving you a few perspectives I have on how I would view positions um, in my draft strategies if I were a GM in the NFL. And, you know, one of the things I'd look at if I were a GM was I planned out my draft would be what positions are really strong in this year's class. You know, which which classes are deep? I mean, which areas are deep? And I think this year, one of the areas that's very deep is wide receiver. I mean, I've seen some. Uh, if you ever if you follow the great uh, website, draft the draft uh, network, phenomenal. Um, a couple of the guys from there host actually host the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on uh, this particular podcast network. Um, I mean, I've seen suggestions that, you know, you could make a case that 10 of the top 60 players in this draft are wide receivers. Um, it's, it has incredible depth. It's the best, uh, probably the best uh, wide receiver class since the, that incredible 2014 group. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have, I'm not sure it has the top end talent that 2014 class did. You know, I'm not sure there's a Mike Evans or an Odell Beckham Jr. in uh, this class, but just incredible depth. I mean, there are going to be good players who fall further down than they should in this this year's draft just because there's so much quality at wide receiver and that 2014 class is fabled just for how many great receivers there are in there and I think that's something you have to consider when you are uh, looking at when you're a team looking at the draft I remember that year that you're heading into 2014 and we knew it was going to be a great wide receiver year I remember saying and the Jets were Jets had a dire need at wide receiver had an entering that draft if you remember the Jets had nothing I'm mean, just shouldn't say the Jets had nothing the Jets had just signed Eric Decker but they needed more and I guess they had Jeremy Curley as well but the Jets really had a need a wide receiver and of course famously they drafted uh, Calvin Pryor over Brandon Cooks when most you know sometimes I feel like the fans could do a better job you look at some of the moves the Jets have made through the years there's so many times where the fans may have done a better job I remember how many fans wanted Brandon Cooks instead of Calvin Pryor that year Cooks who would have fed Met, met an obvious need. Um, but I remember saying, man, if I were the Jets, I would not want to see the Jets trade. The Jets trade off, it better not be for a wide receiver. And that's just because of how many good receivers there were. It was like, even if you get a, I mean, is it worth giving up other picks when the next receiver who falls to you is, will be almost as good? I mean, you really is it really worth giving up another pick just to get a higher rated receiver when there's going to be a really good receiver who will fall to you without you needing to move up? And I remember thinking, like, Buffalo actually traded up for Sammy Watkins that year. They gave up a future one to get Sammy Watkins that year. And I thought that was a bad, I thought that was a bad move at the time, even though Watkins on paper seemed like the best receiver in that class. But again, you know, prepare, preparing for all scenarios. Now, they, if they had sat at 10, or, I'm sorry, if they had sat at 9, that they moved from 9 to 4 that year to get Sammy Watkins. And I remember thinking, man, I would have just waited till 9 because I knew receivers probably close to as good as Watkins is going to fall to them. Well, as it turns out, if they had just stayed at nine, they're going to draft Odell Beckham Jr., who was better than Watkins. So, again, you talk about preparing for all scenarios. I mean, you look at the, 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 the area of the draft that's deep, and I think it's tough to justify a trade-up. But I think, especially when you get to the mid-rounds, that's a spot, that's a situation where maybe you look for a little bit of value. And I think about where the Jets are this year. Is the wide receiver position for the Jets absolutely dreadful? No, it's not. It's not. It's not a dreadful group that the Jets have. Um, you know, the addition of Jamison Crowder 
certainly filled a big hole that was there. And, you know, I was thinking about this. The two moves that I, I'm more positive, as time goes on, there are two moves that I like that, that I like more than I did originally when the Jets uh, signed the players. And they were, one of them is Crowder. The other one is uh, Poole, the slot corner. And the reason I like them is these, these are kind of like classic free agent moves. It's, when I think about, like, what my philosophies are, what I think teams should do when they build, it's, you use free agency to essentially make sure you don't try. I, I don't like it when you try and build through free agency. What I like to use using free agency is kind of fill your holes, make them less dire, and don't overspend. And I think that's those are two areas where the Jets did not do that. Now I st- we're talking about pool. I have a lot of concerns about the corner position. I'm not sure whether pool could be the answer, but they didn't spend much money on him. And I think the same thing you could say of Crowder is is Crowder a great player? No. In fact, I think a guy like Crowder who only plays the slot. First of all, those guys tend to be a little overrated because they tend to. You know, make a lot of third down catch, you know, third and short. You're looking for a guy. You're looking in the middle of the field on a short pass, an option route. So those those plays tend to stick in your mind, where a lot of receivers could do it. You could put you could put a lot of receivers in that role, and they would succeed. A lot of receivers bring more to the table because they can also go outside, whereas a guy like Crowder is confined to the slot. But he's a credible receiver, and that's the point. Is and the Jets did not overpay for Crowder. You look at the receiver market. Crowder's fine. You know, he, essentially what they did was they filled a hole. But Crowder is not good enough that you should prevent you from drafting a receiver. And, you know, if you entered a few weeks ago before the Jets got into free agency, they had two receivers. They had Robbie and Quincy, Robbie Anderson, Quincy, and Nunwa, and they needed a third receiver. And I don't think anybody would have objected. You need, in today's NFL, you basically have three starting receivers. So I don't think anybody would have objected to the idea of drafting a receiver because they needed a starter. Jamison Crowder is not good. Jamison Crowder is fine. You know, he's a guy who fills the hole. Receiver's no longer a dire need the way it was a few weeks ago in free agent, had entering into free agency. But he's not good enough that he should prevent you from drafting a guy for the future. He's not good enough that you should say, okay, well, we're not drafting a wide receiver because we have Jamison Crowder now. Especially when you're talking about a deep year. I mean, there are guys who are going to fall this year into the third, who may fall to the Jets' picks in the third round. They have two picks in the third round right now. They might fall to, these are guys who are not really third-round picks when you're talking talent-wise. In other years, these guys would be long gone before the third round. So one of the ways I, I like, to, one of the things I think you do is you kind of, first of all, you, you say, well, we're not going to trade up for a guy at that position because there are going to be guys available who I won't have to trade up for who are, who are almost as good. But I also think you, you look at this strategically once you get to the third round, and there's almost guaranteed to be a guy there who in, in another year would be a second-round pick. They're just so many, but you know, demand is supply is so great this year that really good players are going to fall into the third round. So you say, you know what? With this pick, if I if I pick to the strength of this draft, I'm going to get great bang for my buck because I'm going to get a guy who's really better than a third round talent in the third round, and that's a type of building block. You know, I think that there are going to be guys receivers in the third round available this year who are, you know, what you may call a 1A receiver or a high-end number two receiver, you know, the, the, the way people describe them, is I'm not sure there's there's a go-to guy you run your offense through, but a guy who, but I think there are going to be guys available in the third round who, you know, might be, if you're in the type of offense that spreads it around a lot, you know, that, get, that uses a lot of re- different receivers, he might be, the, you might be comfortable with that guy being, you know, the first among equals, or you might be really happy with a guy who's, a high end, it might be a guy who's a high end kind of second banana, high end sidekick. That's the type of guy who could be available. You know, I'm not saying necessarily that 
they, they all fit the same playing style. But I'm thinking, you know, in terms of quality, like an Eric Decker kind of guy, whereas Decker was great as like the number two receiver on your team. And he could have, he, he was a credible guy if like you were an offensive that you, it, it, he wasn't the type of guy you'd feed targets to constantly. He wouldn't be the only guy you, you, you threw the ball to. But if you spread it around equally, he could be a guy, you'd be comfortable with him as your best receiver. He's not a Odell Beckham. He's not going to dominate, but a guy like that. And I mean, there are different styles of play. Uh, you know, the, they don't all have the, they don't all play the game, play the game the same way Decker does. But I think there could be receivers of that caliber available in round three. So I think that's something the Jets should look at. And you know, you look at it, you look at the Jets situation right now. You're telling me that the Jets could not stand to add a long-term target for Sam Darnold, a long-term quality receiver to grow with Sam Darnold. I think it, that would make a lot of sense. So that's something I'd look at. I'd look long and hard. I'm not saying you go in saying, no matter what, we're drafting a receiver in the third round. But I'm saying that you're entering this draft, you're looking at this, you're say, and I'm saying there's a good chance that there's going to be a great value there in the third round. So that's something I have to consider when I'm drafting. That's something I have to consider is there might be a player who's tremendous bang for my buck in the third round who's going to give me who stands a good chance to give me more production in your typical third rounder. That's something I'd look at because of the strength of the position in this year's class. Locked on Jets podcast, uh, kicking off a new day, kicking off a new month, talking about positions as they relate to draft strategy. And last thing I'd kind of like to talk about is just the idea of how you look at needs in the draft. And this is one thing, this is a topic I, I bring up frequently is it's one thing that always strikes me as strange is people talk about needs in a very rigid way as they relate to the NFL draft. They talk about what positions is my team weak at? Which one, what positions do I need to upgrade? But I think one of the things you always need, you need to build strengths. You need to build areas that create matchup problems for, for, for other teams, for opponents, you know, Build, build areas that keep the other team's coordinators up at night as they're game planning for you. And one of the areas I think about this year for the Jets, and again, another position that sounds like a relatively deep, that seems to have a deep crop this year is the tight end position. Do the Jets need a tight end? Well, not really in the sense that it's a weakness. It's not a weakness. They drafted Chris Herndon last year, who had an excellent rookie year, who has some room to grow, has some upside. Jets did a great job. And I thought I felt at the time like that, may be a sleeper pick because I love the way the Jets approached that pick because they found a guy who may have been undervalued, a guy who may have been undervalued because he was a backup to a really good player. You're backup to a really good player. It's not necessarily your fault that you're not featured. You may just be victim to circumstance, but also because he was coming off an injury. So they found a guy who, at the time, it felt like he may have been undervalued. And if his first year is any indication, now there's no guarantee, you know, there's always there's not always a steady tra- trajectory of growth for players, but you have to be very excited based on what you saw the first year. So Jets are good at tight end. Now depth could use a little bit of work, but the other thing I'm thinking is if it's a deep year at tight end, and even Mike Mike McCagnan stated it's a deep tight end class. You know people are say you know people look at the Jets situation and they say well they don't need a tight end they have Herndon. But what's to stop you from if there's another dynamic tight end who happens to fall to you at the right position at the right point of the draft where you just see the value there? What's to stop you from drafting him, a guy who could be a dynamic receiver? Because nothing in the NFL that says, that says it's illegal to play two tight ends at the same time, especially if you have two good pass catching tight ends. So let's say you have Herndon and quality prospect A, you know, quality prospect tight end. Who the heck is stopping that? Who the heck is stop? If you add a second dynamic receiving tight end, 
what defense has the tools to stop that? Now suddenly you've created mismatches, you've created problems for the opposition. So that's that's something you have to think about, you know. And one of the things that I see happen sometimes from, from time to time in the NFL is a team will use maybe its first round pick and a second round pick on players at the same position. And the Jets did that, of course, two years ago at the safety position with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. And, you know, when that happens, people typically get angry because they say, well, they already addressed the need in round one. Why would you do it again in round two? Well, sometimes what you do is you you turn a position of weakness into a position of strength. You turn it into and part of the way you win in the NFL is you create strengths. You create mismatches. You, you find ways to impose your will in an area on the other team. That's how that, I mean, that's one of the ways you should approach position. Now, yes, need does come into play here. Part of the reason the Jets are going to potentially be in the mix, possibly, we don't know what, exactly what they're going to do, but one of the reasons they may be looking at edge rusher is that they certainly have a need at edge rusher. They've had a need for a long time at edge rusher. They need to add an edge rusher. And so so I, I'm not saying that, that your weaknesses are totally irrelevant. Of course they come into play, but I think it's kind of odd how people view it as the only thing that matters. Well, another thing that matters is building strengths. You know, you're looking, the, va- the draft is a long-term value proposition. It's not just about year one. It's not just about filling your needs because a lot of rookies aren't ready to contribute year one. Lots of guys would be better served coming in, having a small role, maybe learning from a young vet, maybe learning from a veteran year one, not having a lot on their plate, and then put more on their plate year two. Lots of guys are not ready to be one day one starters. So in that sense, it's kind of a mistake to view the draft as a solution to the problems at the areas you're weak. Draft again, drafts a long-term value proposition. If I can build an overwhelming strength for ten years, that's something significant. That's something to consider outside. That's something to consider, even though that doesn't necessarily deal with my team's weaknesses. That's something you, you got to think about. Again, if the Jets can draft, Jets can. I'm not saying they will. If they can find a dynamic receiving tight end to pair with Herndon for the next five to six years, five to eight years, five to ten years. The Jets are going to be a big matchup problem for opponents because you have two. Who wants to face a team with two quality receiving tight ends? So that's just again something to consider, something I think about as I kind of break down as as I think about approaches to the draft that I think teams should have. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll talk more Jets.